What is up? I'm Miguel Antonio, and this is the Live and Create Podcast. It's where I interview artists and entrepreneurs about what it means to live a great life and create great things. And before we jump in the episode today, I wanted to remind you that my band Run With It is back and running uh, on tr- in 2022. We got a lot of great things ahead, so I'd love for you to follow the band at Run With It anywhere, at Run With It, TikTok, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, all that. I'd love for you to join the team, join in on the story, and uh, and and be part of what's happening here in 2022. And as for today, our episode, we got a great guest, Teresa Maxwell. Teresa Maxwell is the host of the Rocket and Teresa show at Mix 93 FM. This month, January 2022, she will celebrate 22 years on the air in Kansas City. She is married mother of two who loves sharing her life, the good and the bad with her audience. And in this episode, Teresa shares her story of breaking into radio by climbing literal fences and circling Oklahoma City in a small airplane day after day. It's a it's a great story to see how she came from those spots to where she is now. Uh, she also shares so much of her love for her audience and the community of Kansas City. It's a great episode. Enjoy. And I do want to apologize for the sound in here. Uh, I typically am recording separate tracks, but something got messed up with that audio. So I had to use my backup uh, recording. And unfortunately, the backup recording is not separate tracks. So that means I wasn't able to balance things out as well. So you'll notice Teresa's voice is a little quieter than mine. Uh, I hope you don't let that distract you from her amazing story. So uh, the few the, the times I'm talking, just turn it down just a little bit and then pop it up so you can hear, hear her as she explains. Explains her story. Again, I apologize for that, but luckily there was some backup audio. The Live and Create Podcast. Well, I was reading about it. So you set your alarm for 3 a.m. is kind of yes. how life normally goes for you. And you just got off the air just a little bit ago. I did <laughs> so, actually. And I rushed so is home this because like the I evening? realized, well, this is, I mean, this is sort of my, this is lunchtime. <laughs> I'm probably the only person who's happy having Mexican food at 9 30, 10 in the morning, <laughs> but it just depends on what kind of day. Sometimes I'm at the office a lot later. Um, today I tried to hurry home just so I could um, have a good place to broadcast. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> I wouldn't be interrupted. <laughs> That's cool though. Like, and so, so yeah, I imagine that that schedule gets a little weird. I, my father was growing up, he was a police officer and he would work third shift and there was actually a bar open at like 7 AM. And so some of them would go out and get a beer together. Cause they're like, this is the end of our night, even though it's like 7 AM. So I, is, was it weird adjusting to that or you've just done it so long? It's, it's normal. Well, I've done it so long that it is normal to me now. I've done it for over 20 years, but I've been in radio, gosh, coming up on almost 30. I guess I started in 1992 and I've done all the different shifts. So I have worked overnight. In fact, the worst time was when I was going to school all day. It was my senior year in college and I worked from midnight until 10. I had to do the overnight shift and then hang on, hang out with the morning show and then go to school till five o'clock. And I had no (laughs) sleep at all. It was crazy. And of course, how long did you have to do that? Well, the way my life goes, that only lasted for about, I want to say like eight months or so. And I kid you not, I graduated college and got to a point where that's all I had to do was focus on work. And within two weeks, they said, you know what, we're going to go and take you off overnights and you can just focus on mornings. 
And I thought, well, I don't have school or anything else. You're just now doing this to me. I couldn't believe it. But then my life was awesome. Like, wow, I could just come to work a few hours a day and that's it. <laughs> that's awesome. So I guess it's a, it's good they started you that way where it's like, yeah, this is cake now. Like, not too bad. I think that's why it's so great when you, the road I took was starting out as an intern and having to do a little bit of everything and work my way up a lot of grunt work, because then I think you really do appreciate when you get to a good place. Cause I, I can't complain about anything. I've worked the worst hours and I've had to be out in the rain and in the snow and do the jobs that were no fun. So I appreciate right. everything. That's I, uh, I used to do like contract work and I had a roofing company for a while and worked in, in that industry, just trying to survive, you know, uh, as a musician. And I remember talking to a friend of mine and he was like, he's like, just remember these days because your best day there, uh, will not compete to your shittiest day when you finally get to where you want to be. <laughs> and it really did. I, I think true. that perspective. Yeah. Well, and I think you and I were probably similar in age. And I feel that, you know, back in the day when we were probably coming up in the ranks, um, it was pretty much the things that we were had to do. It's illegal now. Now there's all these labor laws or whatever. And I didn't get college credit when I was an intern. I just worked for free, basically. I wasn't getting anything out of it. Wow. Nowadays, they're, they're just like, we just come in here and do things. Do it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I just hung around and I learned things. And uh, I mean, I can remember, I always tell the story about how we had uh, an event at the Oklahoma State Fair and my uh -huh. mom dropped me off at about four in the morning and I couldn't get to where I needed to be because it was all locked up. And I climbed the fence to go in there. Now, as a parent, there's no way I'm dropping my kid off at the state fair and just letting them climb a fence and we'll go like, that looks legit everything works out yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally yeah. legit totally legit yes. how old were you different. when you were doing that i was 19 when i started um it okay. was december of 92 and i was 19 i was a sophomore in college at the university of oklahoma nice yeah you're right like now that would be a totally different thing. And mm -hmm. so with uh, internships and the radio world, I, I know a lot of different people who work different realms in radio. And it seems like almost everyone I've talked to has started in that intern role. Is that basically the way for people to get in? Like, it, are there other routes that people take? Or is that the main way? I mean, I guess there are other ways, but I, to me, I feel like that's the best way. That's what I know. That's the world I was in and all of the, you know, every summer I feel like you get, and, and things have changed, especially with the pandemic, but let's just say in a happy world, uh, you have a summer where you hopefully have, you know, 20 interns and oh, okay. they all have to rotate and share time because there's just not enough work for all of these interns. Well, you, it's easy to weed through the ones that are going to last. And in a world right. like that, where you have that many interns, we usually see one, maybe two that stay in the business, impress us, um, always want to, you know, move up and are ready and willing and tend to stay in the business. Right. So you're looking so. for the kind of tenacity that 4 a.m. like you'll be able to climb over a fence and make something happen. That's the kind exactly. of tenacity you're looking for. <laughs> you can just tell the ones that are hungry and um and also just the ones that get it. People are probably just experimenting around. They don't right. know what they want to do. And so, you know, they probably try it and it's fun and they think, oh, I get to go to free concerts and stuff. And then they realize, oh, wait, I actually have to work. They're going to make me stand out in the heat for three hours at a radio remote. Then, you know, right. you can, it's easy to weed out the ones that really have a hunger for it. They see all the sexy parts of it. And it's like, oh, uh, you actually have to work. Okay. Mm -hmm. Damn. When it's like with music, often I'll find myself almost convinced, trying to convince people not to pursue it. Cause I figure it's like, if I can talk you out of it, 
then you might be ready to pursue music just because of the intensity that it is. Cause you know, it's one hour on stage or whatever. Uh, but then it's the 16 hours of work to get there for that one hour, you know, that people don't see. And I imagine I, radio is very similar. I totally relate to that. In fact, um, I'll be honest. I, I don't know if I would recommend to anyone to get into radio just because it has changed so much. I don't feel like there's as many opportunities back when I started things were, uh, nothing was automated. Someone had to be in the studio 24-7. So there was a lot of part-time entry-level opportunities to learn. We needed someone who just did a Saturday morning shift or just did uh, like one of my first things where I was in the studio and actually, you know, making what you hear on the air happen was Casey's Top 40. I'm dating nice. myself. That's hey, hey kids, that was the guy who was on before Ryan Seacrest. <laughs> but we had to <laughs> switch awesome. in and out all of the CDs and stuff. Someone had to be in the studio. Well, now yeah. everything is automated. So right. you just don't need as many employees. You don't need as many part-timers. There's not a lot of entry-level places to learn. So someone who sticks with it and wants to be in radio is definitely somebody who is in it for the love of it and not because of the opportunity and the money, that's for sure. <laughs> right. What was it that drew you to it? Because uh, it sounds like it, that happened pretty early in life for you. You know, honestly, it was just right place at the right time. I am that kid, and I'm still sort of known on our show as the person who just loves TV. I'm all about the streaming and the movies. If you want to know something, come to me. But when I was growing up, I just loved anything that had to do with that entertainment or movies. And so I thought I would love to do that for a living. And I don't know why I kind of thought radio fits into that category because it really doesn't. <laughs> but someone, I went off to OU and I knew I was going to do something creative. Had no idea, as I'm sure most freshmen do. They, I didn't know what I was going to do. I thought, okay, it'll probably be journalism, maybe writing. I love writing, maybe advertising. I would love to write children's books. Who knows? And I just happened to meet someone who knew a sorority sister and we had a conversation he mentioned he worked at the radio station in Oklahoma City that's a lot like where I work here in Kansas City it was a top 40 and it, we just had a conversation and I kind of joked well I'll come visit and I'll just leave my resume on the desk well months later he called my friend and said I don't remember that girl's name but we're looking for interns so let her know if she's interested then we have a spot I mean it was so like God awesome. wanted me to be at that place. <laughs> and then I don't know what it was once I got there. I think I was excited that, oh, this might be my path. Because mm -hmm. when you're that age, you have no clue where your life is going. And yeah, I just everything got could there. be an option. You're like, yeah, maybe it's this yeah. one. Maybe it's that. Yeah. Well, and I just really, I just loved it right away. I just really loved, mm -hmm. um, I actually was a, a, a production intern. So okay. I would just sit there at a typewriter and help the production director he would make commercials and I would just basically type labels and things for him, but just soaking it all in and being around it. I just yeah. became obsessed with it and I loved it. And I'm just one of those people. I, I just, I'm around it. And then if I'm into it, I'll give it 24 seven. And then I went to the boss and said, Hey, I just saw that this person left and here's an opening. And how about this? And I just kept being there when the openings were available and grabbing them. That's awesome. Now, and you're, you're talking about like, that's the kind of person you are. Like it's, I, I just keep coming back to that picture of you climbing a fence at 4am to get in, <laughs> into the fair, uh, for, for the job. And you were an intern at that point. Right. Um, it were, was it always that way for you? Like, were you, were you a little girl breaking into state fairs as well, just to make things happen? <laughs> like I did a lot a of illegal things. Age? No, <laughs> you know, honestly, it's funny because when I talk to my friends, 
I considered myself to be very shy, very introverted. When I'm in school, I'm always the one who goes straight to the back of the room. Uh, at church, I'm in the back row. Like I always, <laughs> I just want to be a wallflower. Um, it wasn't that I was even a nerd in school. I just was kind of a nothing. I'm surprised people even remember me. That's that's how I remember it in my head. People's perception is different. But I guess I have always had a work ethic. Um, when I was in high school, I only had one job and that just stayed my job all the way until I started in radio. I'm very consistent, I guess. Um, I like things that stay the same. <laughs> and then I like to work my way up and just, in, I don't know, show people what I can do. I, I went right away from being a checker to grocery store to being in the customer service booth. And uh, my dad actually told me not to work in college because I'll be honest, um, I am like a C average student. <laughs> And he knew I needed to focus, but I just got into it and enjoyed that opportunity. And so then right away, I'm working full time and having to go to college, which made my life difficult. He's but like, oh, love- no, now she's going to be doing D's and F's. I got kicked oh, out totally. of college once and had to beg them to let me in back, let me back in. So so I feel like I'm not the best. How did you get kicked out of college? Means. I want to know um, that story. I, I just didn't get very good grades and got suspended. Like they, mm-hmm. they uh, sus- suspended me. I forget what it was called. Some kind of academic academic probation i was on it three times yeah oh okay so you're in that world yeah i remember going into k-state and uh and like basically having to plead my case it's like please Mm -hmm. please let me back in and now i even look back and i was like should you have gone back like i don't know (laughs) that that's a whole other conversation like the value of it for what i was trying to do but at the time i i I worked my way back in but three times for you so you you win that contest yeah i wonder if that's what has something to do with it because i'm not very good at school i never have been um i definitely and i'm not just one of those people that throws it out i definitely have add and i have a hard time focusing on things and that's why i've always been creative and so maybe knowing that i can succeed at my job and the, the when i really enjoy something maybe that's what drives me because I was not great at school. I had the grade point minimum that I needed to graduate. I had my job (laughs) by the time I was a junior, I was working full time. So I only completed school and got a degree for my own personal satisfaction. That was a goal of mine. But um, yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I'm thinking that that's probably what drives me. I, what happened was um, the only reason I know about the academic probation part is because I was trying to get into my sorority. And uh, I had to, you had to have a certain, like the goal was you pledge in the fall and then you get initiated um, before spring. Well, I didn't have the grades. So then I had to go gotcha. through spring where all my girlfriends were members and I was a pledge. Well, come the end of spring, I didn't have the grades again. So they gave uh, me one more shot. So I had to go <laughs> to the community college that summer and take a bunch of classes just to have a good GPA. And I remember taking weightlifting and I took a water aerobics. I'm not nice. I did take one biology <laughs> class and I made an A because it was a junior college. I've never made an A in biology in my life, but I had to do all of that just so I could become initiated. But I will say I, I never give up. That's something I am very proud of. If I set my mind to something, it may take me three semesters. It may, I may barely get the minimum to do it, but I'm going to finish it. You're going to push through. You're going to make Mm -hmm. it happen. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Now, uh, in the beginning, uh, from my understanding, you were doing like weather and, and I, I read somewhere where you, you were like flying over Oklahoma or something. That was my, (laughs) that was was the story behind that. Well, that was my first full-time job because up until then I had just been, um, doing, so that's junior year of college for you at that Um, point then. I think by then I was a senior, but keep in mind, okay. it took me five years to get through school. <laughs> so, 
so. it took me uh yeah. yeah i could have been a some some of my friends joke that i could have been a doctor but as many years <laughs> as i put in uh, to school <laughs> well part of the reason it took me so long was because of that first full-time job so they uh, my boss called me to the office one day and he said teresa i have an opportunity do you want to be on the air and of course I said, yes, I want to be on the air. Then he said, Teresa, <laughs> do you want to fly in an airplane? I said, absolutely not. <laughs> and he said that we had a new company coming into town. It was Metro Traffic and that they were letting each station pick their traffic reporter. And he wanted me to be the person. So that means I had to actually go to the airport every day, not to the studio. And I had to fly around in an airplane, not a helicopter and report traffic. <laughs> And I got so sick every single time. Um, I had to do a split shift. So I had to be there in the morning from 5.30 until 9 and then go to school in the middle and go back from 3.30 to 6 because it was afternoon and morning traffic. That's why it took me so long to finish school because I was very limited to when I could take classes. But man, that was hard. That was, um, that's another thing I'm really proud of because day one, like we did a test flight. There were um, three of us reporters in the plane and they took us up to see how we do. Day one, I puked. Sorry to be graphic, but I was vomiting all over the place. And I thought, oh, no, I can't blow this opportunity. This could be my one shot. So I just did research. I got those little pressure bands that you can put on your wrist, like if you right. want a cruise or something. I tried everything I could. And uh, there were times I just took a bag with me in the plane. <laughs> and I might get sick in the plane, but I never missed a traffic report. And I had to do that for a good year and a half, maybe even almost two years until wow. finally I got promoted. Yeah. You like pushing through. So like for a year and a half, two years, you threw up every single day yeah. at yeah. work and you just kept going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. And keep in mind in the summer, you know, these are little planes that don't have air conditioning. So in the summer oh. when it's hot outside and in the winter, it was freezing, but I just, I can't quit. There's no way I was going to let it beat me. And you guys would just fly over the main highways. We would just certain- fly. We do like a figure eight pattern. Oh, and here's the great thing that made you feel super confident. Um, so the company that flew us around, <laughs> They were, um, they were instructors, but they were basically building hours for their career. These are people mm-hmm. who wanted to be professional pilots and you have oh. to have so many hours before you can graduate to the next step, which I guess would be flying freight, probably UPS, FedEx. And okay. then after that, I believe is, you know, like American airlines or whatever. So <laughs> they had experience cause they were instructors, but basically they were still learning and students that were just building hours, flying us all around. Wow. Down. So they're, they're like, yeah, we can trust you with a few radio personality lives, but uh, not freight, not, not freight yet. yet. Not, yet. Uh, not no, yet. We were not quite to the level of freight. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is crazy. And so uh, two years uh, after that, and where, where did uh, Rocket and Teresa actually okay, come to fruition so- for you? He was at that radio station. He is a little older than me. So when I was an intern and just starting, he was already the afternoon guy. So um, I knew him just through being there. And then um, he, as I was interning and sort of working my way up, he also had a daughter who was only two at the time Mm -hmm. and he needed a babysitter. So I needed money. And so apparently I was doing 50 million jobs while I was going to school. (laughs) So I would babysit and help him in the summers and stuff. So we kind of created just a rapport, just because I helped with his daughter. And then when I did traffic, I had to sort of, you know, bounce back and forth and have conversations with the morning show and with the afternoon show. He was the afternoon show. So then we created sort of an on-air rapport. And then eventually when um, I ended up just being on the morning show, 
he um, originally it was a two-man morning show and then I was the girl who just did traffic and I did news and I was just the female representation and they fired the, I know they, I was just anything they needed from a girl and they um, <laughs> fired that show they let them go and then brought Rocket down and they put us together and that's where it all started and that was 1996. Wow that's amazing and then uh, when did you guys move end up moving everything to Kansas City? Um, well, we actually, so we started working a morning show together in 96 and then we did that for a little while. And then Virginia beach actually came calling and oh, cause okay. we had good ratings and we had a good reputation, I guess, as a show. So then we went to Virginia beach for about a year. I didn't realize we, that. Well, we actually had a three-year contract. <laughs> this was in 98. <laughs> I had just got married. I was a newlywed. In fact, I literally had my wedding, went on my honeymoon, came back on a Sunday, moved on a Monday had to be in Virginia Damn. beach. And, um, I, I didn't want to live there forever, but we did have a three-year contract, but we ended up only staying for a year <laughs> because gotcha. Rocket's daughter at that point, he was divorced. He had his, um, ex-wife had already remarried and moved to Kansas city. And gotcha. so his theory was, I don't get to live in the same state as her anyways. I'm going to have to travel. So where does it matter? where I live, but right. it was just too far away. He was, he wanted I to be imagine. with his daughter every day as much as possible. So the job became available here. And, um, hmm. ironically his ex-wife worked at our station. She was always <laughs> in sales. <laughs> I know, but they had a good relationship and she knew That's how good. important it was to get him here for her daughter. So she helped us and put in a good word for us. Wow. And assured the boss that it would be okay. them working together. And so then we came here in 2000 and we've never left. That's cool. And that's cool that she, she saw the value of that. Like, I love seeing that when blended families are able to find a way, you know, to work together. And so we, we have a similar uh, vibe with our family as well. And, and I feel very lucky that, that it's very supportive vibe on, on each side. Yeah. So you don't see really that cool. all the time. Um, not all the time. Yeah. I have some friends. It's yeah. not the same story. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, I will, but. I, I'm still married, but I have, I come from a divorced family. My parents were mm. married to each other and divorced from each other twice. So, really? yes. <laughs> um, so they, that sounds like, like a whole movie right there. <laughs> it should be. Yeah. So when they come, they can't be in the same state at the same time. I'm pretty sure they tag team each other in and out. She's like, I'm I leaving see. Kansas. You can come in. So <laughs> Like after two divorces, no, we're, we're not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's very different. So yes, when I see parents, um, getting along, especially when blended families, like when the exes can, you know, go have dinner with the new husband or wife, you know, exactly. when all four of them get along or whatever, I think that's great. Oh yeah. It, it makes it more fun for everyone and makes it, I think way better for the kids, you know, yeah. the, everyone's on the same page and yeah. And I know, uh, to any of those listening, I know it's not always that easy <laughs> and mm -hmm. not every situation is the same, but, but God, it, yeah. So helpful, uh, for that. That's for sure. But so coming to Kansas city, uh, you've been here a, a grip of time. And one thing that seems to be, uh, that kind of exudes from you. And then like TMI with Teresa, like on, on your Instagram page and all that is this love for Kansas city. And so when you had moved here, uh, what was it about Kansas City that you fell in love with? And and what did that look like for you? I'll be honest, it didn't happen instantly. I knew that I was happy to be back in the Midwest because I had lived in Oklahoma. I wasn't born in Oklahoma. I moved there mm. when I was 12. Um, I was born in California, but oh, okay. I did like Oklahoma. And so I knew that being in Kansas City was going to be very similar. And I was excited <laughs> about that. <laughs> and um, But 
I, you know, I was a newlywed, didn't have kids and I don't know, things just weren't gelling immediately. Mm -hmm. And there, I, my family at the time, that was when my parents were still married to each other. (laughs) (laughs) All of my family was in California and, you know, in radio, you kind of have a goal, like, you know, the ultimate would be able to to work in New York or in LA, you want to be in a big market. And we had kind of talked about that at the beginning of our um, partnership together, Rocket and myself, that do we want to keep moving to these bigger markets? But then we came to Kansas City, and of course, he wants to be where his daughter is. Mm. And um, see, I had trouble finding that, finding those roots at first. But then we had our first son, Chase, and I mm. still had moments where I felt kind of incomplete and wanted to be in California with the rest of my family. And then my second son, Christian, was born. And I always knew that that was it. We're complete. I only want two. And I, I tell you, because I, I used to pray about it. I'd say, God, if you want me to be here, then you need to change my heart because I'm just not happy right now. And I swear the moment my second son was born and my family was complete, it's like I had this peace. And I had, um, what is it, 12 weeks of maternity leave. And I remember when he was six weeks old, the doctor cleared me. I went ahead and drove out to California and stayed for about two weeks with my mom just so she could help me and we could relax. And having to take um, a toddler and a newborn to the McDonald's Playland in Southern California and go to Walmart in Southern California, (laughs) I suddenly realized, oh my gosh, in Kansas City, it's so much cleaner. Those little things you take for granted are so much better in Kansas City. No offense, California, I love you so much. But for me personally, I felt like, I, I need to be in Kansas City. That is my home. Yeah. And ever since that, whatever flip inside me switch, then I'm, this is it. And I don't ever want to go anywhere. I planted deep roots. Both my boys were born here, bo- mm-hmm. both born at the same hospital, same doctor. We've had the same dentist ever since we moved here. <laughs> I, I like that consistency. And right. it, to me, that's special. And so I just don't, I've lived here now longer than I've lived anywhere else. Well, and now moving to the Midwest from California is the new cool thing. It's what everyone's doing. So it's, it's, you're, you're ahead of the game. <laughs> I'm a trendsetter. So, <laughs> well, and I, it's funny because I, I always wanted to live in California. I've loved California. Uh, but then I was on tour there 2019 and I was in Southern California and I put in my GPS, like my next location. And it was 20 miles and it said two and a half hours, I think, uh, for mm-hmm. that. And I'm like, what the hell is this? Like, and I remember texting my wife, I was like, yep, 21 miles, two and a half hours. She's like, what? And I was taking pictures of the highway and, and it, it's, it is insane. It's so, it, it def, definitely being there kind of cured me of wanting to move at least there. I actually, I fell more in love with Northern California and like Oregon and, and Seattle, mm-hmm. like Portland area and Seattle. Um, but yeah, LA and San Diego, all those just seem so, so overwhelming. It's nuts. You know, I get why people who are, especially if you're born and raised there, why it is so beautiful. I mean, you have palm trees and the glorious weather. Oh, yes. You could be in the, the mountains. mountains in the morning and then be at the beach in the afternoon or vice versa. I love that. That was my favorite part of San Diego. I literally did that. It was like hiking in the morning, end of the night on the beach. And it's like, oh. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you're familiar. I used to um, have a view of Mount Baldy. Have you ever heard of that big mountain? I I don't. I couldn't even I tell you that. where it is. I just know that right. when I lived in Riverside, I could see it out my window. It was beautiful. But yeah, it's different though if you have experienced other places places because then you do realize the cost of living is so much more affordable Mm. in the Midwest. It really is just cleaner. Um, 
I, you know, I remember I, I've always been very friendly. I remember walking into um, like a 7-Eleven in LA one day and I just walked in and, hey, good morning. How are you? Just being really friendly. And the guy looked uh. at me like I was about to rob him. Why are you <laughs> so outgoing? What is happening? It's, it's just so different here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, and that's uh, my, a lot of my family's from Brooklyn. Uh, and then going there is just such a different vibe. Because, yeah, like, no, you don't make eye contact. And if you do, they'll start, you know, it might be someone trying to do like a hustle or something. It's just a whole other thing. And I remember thinking I'd, I'd love to live there, but more and more like on East Coast tours, we'd always stop and hang out with my grandma. She'd make empanadas, all that kind of stuff. Um, but after about three or four days, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready to, to move on out of the city. Mm-hmm. Again, it's just so overwhelming. And, and then seeing like kids play like on sidewalks and that was their front yard. I think mm-hmm. I, I realized I was like, no, I want to be able to, to have a front yard and I, there's no way in hell I could afford a front yard <laughs> in, in New York, you know, if, if you it's can be able to find one essentially. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the Midwest does, does have its perks on, on that level. Definitely. So and there's just but, a feeling here in Kansas city, because in my business, we have had to do so many, uh, you know, for years we worked with the children's miracle network, raising money for KU med children's center and children's mercy mm-hmm. hospital. We've done so many things, raising money for the community. And when you just see how this city comes together, and I realize that every city has generous people like that, but there's just something different here that I see that I haven't seen in all other cities. Um, you know, I think we've heard Patrick Mahomes talk about it. Obviously he's here because yeah. he loves the team and he's being paid a lot and he's really great, but he, I yeah, 500 he, million will make you love any city. Yeah, right? <laughs> but I, I really do believe him and other people that come to our city that say that, that they stay here because, you know, they came for one reason, but they stay for different right. reasons. And it is a community and it's a place where they are happy to raise a family and plant roots. Well, it's like that meme, uh, something like Kansas city is the only place where people from there actually dress like tourists. Like we, we love the city so much. <laughs> we wear KC over everything, you know? Yes, and, yes. and I, I never thought of it. I was like, yeah, I guess that's true. Cause, and I think at the time I was thinking that I had a KC shirt on kind of deal. <laughs> I'm uh-huh. like, well, we really do love the shit out of the city. So <laughs> yeah, we do. It's a great city. It's a great city to be a part of. And I think it's really cool though, that, that you have this community connection and that it's not just uh, like you do your show kind of check out, like you're part of what's happening here in this city. And with the, with the raising funds and raising money and those kind of things, is that part of what the radio in general, the radio station has you guys doing, or is that something that that's been inspired by like how you want to use your platform to impact things? Um, A little bit of both, you know, that is part of our um, being in radio. That is something that's important to us. We give back to the community and that's the way that we can contribute is Mm -hmm. by spreading the word. And, you know, I feel like everybody has a a part to play and that's the way that I can contribute. And um, I've always done, um, public affairs and things, it's kind of been my job for years to be the one to, okay, hey, I just found out about this walk that's happening on this Sunday, so let me spread the word. And we get asked a lot to come and emcee, things like that. And that's just kind of the way that I'm able to give back is by um, just giving out the information. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Now, as you talk about like just how much radio has shifted and changed, and Mm -hmm. it seems like radio and really the music industry in general, entertainment industry has shifted so much, even the last two or three years. What are some of, what are some of the effects that you see as far as like streaming, uh, as far as podcasts versus like morning shows and being part, you know, like, do you do both all that? Like, how has that affected you and where do you see it going next for radio's impact 
in this in the way that the digital medium is working? Well, I definitely think that people like to listen on demand. Even if you listen mm -hmm. to an actual radio show, they like it when they can uh, click on it and listen at two in the afternoon, even if it's a morning show. <laughs> so right. people definitely love to stream and love that podcast platform. Um, and we know that people are streaming Spotify and you know getting mm -hmm. their music in different play, especially that younger generation. They like to just listen to their favorite channels. But um, And again, I don't know if this is just a Kansas City thing, a Midwest thing. I don't really know what it's like in LA or New York, but there have been like for example, syndicated shows that come here to Kansas City. Um, mm. And there's something about Kansas City that they just want local. I think right. that there's always going to be a need for how is my morning drive? Is there traffic? Uh, what is the weather like today? What's happening in my city? Hey, I just found out that there's a mask mandate happening. Do my, does my kid have to wear a mask at school again? Mm -hmm. So I feel like that's something that people just are always going to have a need for. And so that benefits local radio. Um, now the way it's delivered, I don't know if that's going to change, you know, we might still be doing a live show, but is it going to be through FM, you know, radio waves, or is it going to be through a podcast channel? I don't know. Are okay. you going to tune into Spotify to hear Mix 93.3? I don't know how that's going to change. I think it's definitely going to have to evolve, but, um, I feel like we're right now we're doing great and I, hopefully things will stick around for a while. <laughs> <laughs> definitely one it seems like it's just again like what you said is like evolving and watching mm -hmm. and as we were doing uh like research my last band like different different markets and learning about different radio stations the connection that is one thing we did notice that there were certain radios radio stations uh whether through their concerts or through like personalities on air that seemed to have a really like just strong connection to the community where it's almost like, no, they're not going anywhere. It's just evolving how they're impacting and how they're reaching people, uh, which I don't know. It makes me, it makes me just really interested to see the course of, of the future for it and what it looks like. How is it for you being a musician? I mean, I almost feel like in some ways it might be easier for you because I feel like, I mean, we have the technology where anyone can, make an album and then upload it. And then anyone has access to it and you can sell it where you right. see you had to have a record label or, you know, whatever to, mm -hmm. to sell your music. Is it easier or more difficult the way things are going? I would say easier and more difficult <laughs> all at the same time. Uh, just the ease of like, you don't need distribution anymore. Like you are mm -hmm. your own distribution. I can go, you know, as you know, like I can go distribute a song while we're talking right now. If I wanted right. to go, up, go upload my next track and within 24 hours, it'll be out there, uh, which is amazing. And there's, there's no, no wall, no barrier there. Um, but it's the, the catch of that is everyone can do that. And so right. where before I think you had almost like, uh, what's the, the word, like a monoculture, where now things where like radio and TV, like everyone was just tuned into the same 30 songs, same 40 songs. And it's like, if you could get in that world, which was so hard, but once you did, people fell in love with it. But now you have to almost like break into all these like smaller, smaller cultures and smaller uh, like demographics to build and connect in a fresh way. And so I think that's where it gets harder. You have to be more strategic. Um, in what you're doing and just have to hustle, you know, but the, but the means are there that I think weren't there a long time ago. Like the idea that you can talk to your fans literally every single day at all times, whether they're in Germany or they're right here in, in your like home city, 
that's that's huge and so valuable. It's just getting that person in Germany and getting that person in Brazil and wherever else <laughs> to fall in love with your music is the challenge. Well, I, I feel like sometimes it's almost not even about what you know or your talent as much as how good are you at social media. <laughs> it's about yeah, these, that's these true. people that are so good at YouTube and Instagram and all of these things, you know, TikTok or whatever. And uh, I always joke, like anytime we do radio remotes where, you know, a client has us come out and we're on the air, like, hey, come out here for the next two hours, blah, blah, blah. And whenever right. we do that, we also want to put it on social media. So here, let me do a little video and let people know where I am for the next two hours. And it's just hilarious because by the time I'm done, I'm like, okay, so I posted on our mixed Facebook and then my Facebook and I posted on the Instagram and then my personal, and I'm like worn out. I'm exhausted. Like social media is so hard. It takes me 30 minutes just to, okay, now I can start. <laughs> it, and that's true. It It's like a whole other job. Like our last band, we actually paid for coaching. We did all sorts of things to really learn it and leverage it. But again, the power of it, I mean, it was through those mediums that we were able to tour like all all over the place and mm -hmm. we'd get there and suddenly people knew they're like oh yeah we were watching your snapchat and we're like upstate new york we're like what the hell this is crazy it's like some random little like college we're playing and and people connect and but that's what's i think i think that's the most interesting piece to it for me is the social media aspect um and i even think like looking i've, I've been following since we met that night after at the what show was it um, it was the, um, at the town center plaza, the summer concert series. Right. And so I, I can't, was it, I'm trying to remember who was playing that night though. All, all the shows start bleeding into one. They probably do for you as well. <laughs> they, they do actually, but I remember uh, Mr. Stinky feet. Cause he's a friend. I always get excited right. when I see okay, him. Yeah. And then it was, um, the Elton John guy, right? Yes. But what is, I can't remember. I want to get their name, right? Something um, Dan. Yeah, I, it's a play on wow. words. Oh no, we have to look it up, or we're gonna not do him a justice. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I I just saw uh, he posted something, so I'm I'm looking it up right now. Um, it was Park Place was promoting him. Is it Elton Dan and the Rocket Band? There you go. Yeah, Elton yes. Dan, which he was phenomenal, and yeah. I I loved his swagger. <laughs> <That dude. laughs> it was amazing. Um, but yeah, so I started following you and then like, so basically I think the, the interesting and joy, interesting thing and the joy of, of social media is where people can connect, uh, in deeper ways. I think, mm -hmm. uh, just because like, I see your journey, like you and your husband, like doing the orange is it orange theory fitness. Orange theory. <laughs> and, yeah. Or, and then like seeing like the, the t-shirts that you guys are putting out, like where, where I imagine it for your audience. Now you're not just a voice. On, in the morning or now in the afternoons, if they listen later or whatever it is, but now they're seeing like a, a glimpse of your life and, and connecting with it. And that was one piece we saw as a band as well. It's like finding, finding ways to invite people into our lives and being authentic. Uh, and I think there was a deeper connection that was made even down to a point where like one of my boys was going through something I had snapped about it. And that was uh, one of the shows, another show where we're upstate New York, where someone was like, Hey, how's your, the first time they ever met me, they said, how's your kid doing? And I'm like, mm -hmm. almost like thrown back. I'm like, Oh, they're doing good. Thanks for, you know, like there's a, a deeper connection to it. And I think that is the power and the opportunity that that is in this new world, even though it's disrupted so much of, of the normal things that were there before. Well, I think that's definitely what brings people together is feeling, I think that's why you listen to any kind of a show or why you watch any kind of a TV show, you have mm -hmm. some kind of a connection. Um, I think it's so neat 
that people remember when my kids were born and I was talking about being pregnant on the radio and they'll say, our kids were born at the same time. We were pregnant at the same time. And, <laughs> you know, cool. then I talk about them going off to college. Oh, my kids are going off to college too. And it's just like, they're going through the same journey as we right. are. I think we just all want to know that, you know, am I the only one who, I don't know, my kid is crazy or am I the only one who, you know, my boys are messy and don't want to shower or whatever it is. You know? <laughs> right. you're just like knowing you're not the only one when you, yeah. um, you know, we always joke about how we're a dysfunctional morning show and just being on the air is free therapy, <laughs> but it's true. Whenever you talk about your parent fails, nobody wants to hear how great you are or how great everything's turned out. They want to hear about the moments you failed. So they right. know, Oh God, it's not just me. Thank goodness. You know, my kids, it's the <laughs> same thing or, Oh, thank goodness. I'm a bad parent. I let, you know, I took my kid to see Deadpool when he was 11 too. Or whatever. <laughs> you That's just want to awesome. be validated. <laughs> I'll have to start posting about that then too. Cause our, my, actually my nine-year-old, he was like, yeah, I was at school. And some kids said that Harry Potter was his favorite movie. And I said, Deadpool was my favorite movie. And he didn't believe me because he didn't think my, my parents would let me watch it. And I was like, yeah, we watch it every year for Christmas, which is odd. It's an odd tradition, but we watch Deadpool every year for Christmas. Well, you there's certain things that you tell people. And then there's the things you do in quiet where you're like, okay, don't go to school and tell your friends that mommy and daddy let you right. watch this movie. Okay. It's like you can't <laughs> sing NBA young boy lyrics at school. All right. Nine exactly. year old. Don't... <laughs> or what if they say a naughty word? Okay. Sh just so you know, there's a time and a place, right? Like you could say that at home, but you don't say that in front of grandma. Okay? <laughs> right. Grandma's <laughs> like, what? Well, that's, um, uh, do you know, do you listen to rap at all? Are you into rap? Um, you know, what's weird is that I pretty much only listen to what's on the radio. Like I oh, have okay. never been a, I'm not a go buy an album or download an album kind of person. So certain gotcha. things I like, but I'm, I don't know a lot about everything. So you've been all in committed to radio since super young, even down to musical choices. There you go. <laughs> I've just always been that way. Like whatever's on TV, I watch whatever's on the radio. I listen to, I don't just right. go seek it out. I've never been one of those that goes to the record store, or buys cassettes or DVDs, whatever. I just, I just like what I was available to me instantly. <laughs> right. Well, and there's, so there's a rapper. I love rap music and a rapper named logic. And he has a song called every day. And the chorus says it literally starts out saying, uh, I work hard every motherfucking day. And mm -hmm. the kids requested it when they were with grandma. And uh, we 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 listened to it, and grandma's just she was appalled and calls us. I was like, oh yeah, I'm sorry, I let them listen to that. <laughs> and she's like, see, you do? <laughs> I'm like, now, yeah, damn. I'm the opposite. Because <laughs> keep in mind that in radio, when we're given a song, we're given the radio edit. Right. So because I tend to just listen to radio and I don't <laughs> go buy stuff. I sometimes only know the radio edit. I and see. When it, when iTunes and everything you know first came out, we started downloading music. Obviously, mm. now there's the little E. But at first, I would <laughs> download a song and I'd be playing it with the kids in the car. And oh, they just said the F word. I when did when did that become part of the song? <laughs> right. Because <laughs> they used to actually edit things out. Nowadays, if there's a bad word in a song, you just hear this sort of quick silence. They don't even try. You know what I'm talking about? You just yep. hear this almost like a little pause. <laughs> where back in the day, they'd actually cut it or they'd have a different version of it. <laughs> right. Well, that's funny because I was just talking to someone uh, who has a radio show and they were playing one of my songs. And he's like, wait a minute, you say 
I forget what the line was. It's like, it's been a bitch of a night. And he was like, you say that in there. Right. And I was like, yeah, but it goes really fast. And <laughs> he's like that it does. He's like, I'm still going to have to edit it. <laughs> what I was like, Oh, I never thought about that. Actually. I should have like, so I told him my next releases, I'll do radio edits just to make life easier for him. Cause I just never contemplated that. But that's funny though, where you get surprised by it when you finally download it and you're like, mm -hmm. Oh, I had no idea that was in the chorus. That's no, yeah. or a lot of <laughs> Times will, you know, this is, um, you know, here's another thing behind the scenes. We don't have a producer. Okay. So, you know, big like Howard Stearns and things like that. He's got all this staff and people who go get stuff for him. Well, mm. you know, the, the reality of radio here, at least in the Midwest is that I, we do everything ourselves. So like, let's mm. say that uh, a brand new song just dropped and, you know, eventually my program director is going to get it from the music label. But, you know, at four in the morning, we, it hasn't been sent to us yet. So <laughs> I go to YouTube and I find it and then I have to convert it to an MP3 or whatever. So really? we can put it on the air. And then I have to always listen very carefully and go through the whole video because, you know, whatever they've released on YouTube is not always yeah. going to be the same as the single but they give you to put on the air <laughs> and you'd be surprised what they slip in. <laughs> I, that's crazy. I had no idea that you would be pulling from like YouTube or uh, mm -hmm. to, to grab a track. So it's just something that is like, Oh, yep. This is the hot song right now. Let's, let's put it down there. Yeah. Or like, movies, like I said, it. I love to talk about, um, I do a segment called tabloid trash. So I'm all about entertainment. So if, Hey, you know, this is new on Netflix today, or Hey, this is what's in theaters today. Um, sometimes I want audio. So I go to right. YouTube and I grab the trailer and uh, and sometimes the movie companies will send it to me, but a lot of times I'm converting stuff. I'm getting video and I'm gotcha. converting it to audio and I'm trying to throw it on the air. And I'll be honest, because I am putting a kid through college. Uh, Mama doesn't have money for a brand new laptop right now. And so <laughs> I'm like right now I'm talking to you on a 2011 Mac uh, MacBook Pro, and thank goodness but you chose well getting a MacBook Pro. They they will last a long time. She, really you know won't. what? She's been a good <laughs> good machine. But I'll tell you what, she like you, I put her to sleep when I'm done. If uh -huh. I actually uh, shut down the computer, oh good lord, give me at least a week <laughs> before it warms back up. I mean, it's very difficult. And of course, it's always the moment where, hey, Teresa, do you think you can get this audio in two minutes? All right, let me try. How much time left? About. 30 seconds. And then you see the little rainbow spinny wheel. Oh, You're no. like, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. I, I had a, uh, it was a MacBook air that I, I think I got in 2010 or 2011 and I had just replaced it, uh, summer of 2019. And it was to the point where like, I could never take it off the charger. Like the moment I would take it off the charger, it would die. Like it, it had all these like quirks. It was still, it was still working. It was still helping me make music and everything, but but yeah, it was, it was definitely time. So I, yeah. the, the pro I'm on now will probably last, hopefully last that long as well. And hopefully it'll keep up. I did just break the screen recently, which oh, is no. a terrible, terrible thing. <laughs> That's how my iPad is. It, it, I have to plug it in all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those, and it's not cheap. That's for sure. Any kind How'd of you break the replacement. Screen? I, uh, so one of my headphones I, I had popped out a headphone. And so the little like 3.5 jack, it was just sitting on like on top of the metal piece where the speaker is. And I didn't mm -hmm. see it. And I just went to shut the, shut the computer and it, oh, no. it like shattered the whole screen. Now this thing has been like on tour with me. It is like dropped. It has had all sorts of things happen to it, but it was just a little, the little speaker thing, the 3.5 input that broke it. And 
I, yeah, I could not. Believe That's how it that. always is. I, Phones are the same way. I swear. I throw my phone all over the place. There's been times mm-hmm. where I drop it and it flies across the room, hits the wall, bounces on the ground. It, I mean, and it never breaks. And then it's just the one time that I don't know, like it, you put it in your purse and it rubs up against something and you just shatter the whole thing. Yeah. You're like, really, <laughs> really right now. <laughs> yeah. But see, you said you have four boys. Yes. Okay. Yes. So, you know what I'm talking about? Like, you know, I, I have, they have to have laptops and they have, you know, cars and going to college mm-hmm. and school clothes. And it's like everything, there's always something else that comes ahead. I'll be saving. I'm like, okay, I'm going to get a new computer. Oh, like, oh, nope. <sighs> this just broke. It's yeah. It's, and I don't know. Dev, me having a new laptop is just not a priority. <laughs> Although it should be, <laughs> it no, is my I... livelihood. It is my job. <laughs> Well, there you go. That's where you can condone it. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And that's my wife is more like she won't spend like on her. She was a single mom when we met, you know, and so she Mm -hmm. she had that thing where it's like I I I was like always encouraging like, no, no, definitely buy this thing that you're wanting. But she would see the same thing like, oh, the kids need this or kids need that. And I'm like, like, well, now I feel bad that I bought a cigar. Dang it. Sometimes I just scrounge off my kiddos. Like my youngest is still in high school and they gave him a Mac. Uh, what is it? A air air Mac or whatever is the, the, the MacBook one. air. Yes. And um, you know, it's, it's only for school. In fact, it's limited. They monitor what you do. That's with pretty it. awesome um, though. That's yeah. A... But well, he got it as a freshman and he has to use it all through high school. And then I don't okay. know what happens to it when he graduates, but it's, it's a school computer. <laughs> and if we break it, we have to replace it. But yeah. there's been times where I needed to do a zoom or whatever. And I'm like, let me just borrow that Mac that your, your laptop. Cause it just works so much better. If I'm just hey, simply so... on the internet or zooming, then I'm allowed to do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. I guess my oldest, he had a nicer car than I did for, for a minute. Um, I, I had this like uh, small little Fiesta, Ford Fiesta. And mm-hmm. like, I'm, I'm six foot, 220 pounds, like squeezed into this little Ford Fiesta. And then he comes rolling up in this newer car. that's like, got like, it, it, I had like the crank windows, you know, and all that, none of the perks of a, of a car. And, and he's got, you know, all the electric things. I'm like, damn, but finally, finally, I was able to upgrade a little bit, but but, but yeah, that, that made me feel a little bit better. <laughs> Can I tell you though, I'm so, and I don't know how I got so lucky. My boys oh, are sorry, so audio went out for a second. Oh, let me make sure it's not on my end. Yeah. Test one. Right. Can you hear me? Oh, yeah. There it is. So yeah, I missed after I had stopped for some reason, it just went out. So I missed anything you just said. Sorry I just said that. the most interesting stuff. You're never going to get it back. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I solved two world problems right I at did. that moment. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just started to say that I, I don't know how I got so lucky because my boys are just not into material things. We almost get in fights sometimes because, you know, at their age, 17 and um, 20, I tell them it's okay to have more than one pair of shoes. You know, when you're little, you just, every, every fall, you get a new pair of tennis shoes. The boys are going to wear them out, you know, whatever. But as you get older, obviously, Hey, it's okay to have different styles for fashion. Nope. I don't need it, mom. They won't let me buy them things. Uh, Their backpack gets a hole in it. No, but mom, I like it. It's my favorite backpack. They won't, they don't even know probably name brands of jeans. They're not into clothing labels. It's, it's good and bad. I love that they're not into material stuff. They don't even know cars. They're ridiculous. If I, the (laughs) the only make and model of a vehicle they know is the one they actually drive. And I still get that mom. What does it mean when it says make? And I have to tell them, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, they just don't keep up with it. I got really lucky in that aspect. It's weird. Yeah. That'll probably go well for them. 
boys are different than girls. Are your boys kind of the same? Or are they into fashion and they, labels? My boys love a lot of material things. I'm sure they get it from me. Because like you were talking about the shoes and <clears throat> I'm addicted to shoes. I love them. Uh, uh-huh. Which is funny because I spent a good decade in my life almost going barefoot everywhere I went. Uh, but then I started buying like the Nike retros and mm-hmm. all the different like Jordans and like it, basically any kind of a birthday or Christmas, those, that's usually what I want is <laughs> like another pair of shoes. And, uh, and that, yeah, they love shoes, uh, especially my 12 year old. He loves them. I actually pay him to clean my Nikes because <laughs> he's so, he enjoys it and he's really uh-huh. good at it. So I'll, I'll like, I'll be like, Hey, I got a show coming up. I need these two pairs clean. Can you get those rolling? So yeah, we're, we're a little more I would say a little more into the material things, but I imagine that would go really well for your boys, keeping them, keeping their money saved up, keeping it ready for some things that they probably would rather have or experiences they'd rather see. Now they are horrible when it comes to video games. Like they were both working mm-hmm. this summer and I kept saying, you know, you got to put so much away and have a savings and blah, blah, blah. And then they um, bought uh, books. My I have one son that likes to buy a lot of um, like anime books and stuff and, uh-huh. um, and they buy video games. They, they, gotcha. they do throw a lot of money away on stuff like that. Nothing that's going to last, like at least shoes you have and you can sell them or whatever you want. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's like the, the money spent on my shoes means they're, yeah, they're getting clean. They're getting stored away and they only go out for certain things. <laughs> it's like, now, these I'm are going to be, I'll be like 60 walking around in those Jordans. <laughs> okay. So here's where you're going to find out that I'm horrible. Um, like when you say clean your shoes, what do you mean? Because, you know, I've thrown a pair in the washing machine. I've polished oh, them no. when they get dirty, but how do you clean your shoes? So uh, there's special, like depending on the material. So there's like Nubuck. I have some uh, shoes that are like Nubuck, some that are like leather, um, and then like one other material. And so you have different cleaners for each kind of material. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then you want to like hand wash them. So like these particular shoes, you would not want to throw, um, in the wash machine at all. So, so yeah, you're, he goes through and like scrubs them. Cause sometimes I'll like play shows and like they get muddy or dirty or whatever. Um, and then we actually, uh, for some of the soul stuff, we actually take magic eraser and he has, uses the magic eraser to kind of whiten up all the souls, just make them oh. look almost as brand new as you possibly can in, in that regard. We're the worst. We get mud on. I'm like, you know, get a wet washcloth. Just wipe it off. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, <laughs> I can remember it's... when I was young, my mom used to make me polish my shoes. And then as an adult, I just, uh, I forgot all about it. <laughs> You're like, nah, nah, I'm not. Yeah. It's we're nerds about shoes in this house. It's, it's a, it's a weird thing. It's our thing though. My, now my running shoes, we just, I, I have, I, I love running and uh, so those, but those get thrown in the wash because uh, they can handle it. They can actually hold up for those. I'm the worst at buying running shoes because um, I guess I, I know someone who actually is going to school on a cross country scholarship. And he tells me how after so many miles, you're supposed to get new ones in yes. my head. No, no, no. If it doesn't matter if they're 10 years old, look, there's no holes in them. They're perfect. They're almost like brand new. Why would I get new shoes? Because <laughs> you've been walking on them for 10 years, but they're really good shoes. Why would I get rid of them? Like in my head, if they're not super dirty and falling apart, you don't need I get ones. it. <laughs> right. Well, it all depends too. Like I, I have some shoes that, you know, I just wear around. Like if I'm in the yard or something, those I'll have forever. Uh, but yeah, I think with my training that I'm doing right now, it's like, 
every six months or so I have to buy new shoes. So I just, I just had to buy another pair where I'm hoping it lasts me through the end of the year is, is my hope at this point. Uh, but yeah, they can, cause it can cause problems with your knees and I can start nerding out on all that. But, but yeah, that's usually when I start telling my, when I can start to tell like my knees are, are getting a little more sore than normal. I'm like, Oh, I think it's time. Then usually if I look at the soles, it's like, Oh yeah, they, the, these are worn out. So, and then they become my, you know, yard shoes at that point. So tell me what you train for. Cause I have seen on your social media too, where you, um, you seem very active and physically fit and I've seen you running and what all do you do? Um, well, I was, I, I was training for an ultra marathon, um, over this, uh, over the summer. And that's, mm-hmm. I was, I was just kind of doing it on my own. And that's where I put, that's maybe what you saw where I put myself in the hospital yes. uh, doing that. <laughs> and, uh, I basically the doctors, as we've kind of like, you know, did a postmortem on that whole thing. Um, I did a 25 mile training session. Uh, then I did two weeks of full, like Ironman, uh, type workouts and then did 30 miles. So basically they're like, you just never allowed your body to heal up. And so by the time you did that 30 miles, it's like you got through it, but then my body literally started shutting down. Um, Wow. My kidneys stopped working and I went into what's called rhabdomyolysis where uh, it's like you're basically your muscles start bleeding out and they kind of it's almost like they're eating itself. Uh, so your body really bad. Yeah, it, it was really <laughs> bad. It was really, really bad. I learned some some hard lessons. So so, yeah, and that was nuts. And I it was really hot. So I started drinking water incessantly. Um, but apparently I overhydrated and depleted my whole body of electrolytes. And so without, without potassium, it messes up your heart rhythms and without sodium come to find out your brain doesn't work. And so I was trying to talk and I couldn't talk. Um, it, yeah, it was just a weird, did you weird think you were thing. having so, a stroke? Um, no, cause I knew I, I didn't know what was going on. I didn't think a stroke, um, at least at that moment. Um, but I don't honestly, even in that moment, I don't know fully all I was thinking. Like it was just, I was just scared. Um, yeah, when, that, when that all happened, um, but yeah, I'm, now? I'm, yeah, I'm about four weeks, five weeks into recovery. I, my, my next race is this Sunday, um, this upcoming Sunday. So they're, they said I can race in this one. It's a triathlon. So I'm ultimately getting ready for, uh, Ironman California. So I'm doing the full Ironman, uh, in Sacramento in October. Uh, and they, and basically so what they're like, you to, to us. that. What's that? What, what, I'm sorry to interrupt you. What draws you to that kind of an event? Is it because you just enjoy the um, the actual, you know, running and doing the activity, or is it more of a mental thing where you like the challenge? What is it that draws you to those kind of events? I think one, just in general, I'm like if you anyone who who has known me for some time, they know I just like to I the mantra anything worth doing is worth overdoing. I, I'm kind of into that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, it doesn't always pay off, you know, like it puts you in the hospital kind of stuff sometimes. But it, it's just kind of my personality. So I was like, I was like, Oh, I wanted to do some kind of sport um, at turning 40 at the time. And I found that and then I was like, Oh, I could do Olympic distance. Oh, I could do a half Ironman, which I did last, uh, last winter on my own. And then, then I was like, why not do a full one? And it just kind of keeps going. But honestly, um, I kept asking myself when I was like running at five in the morning, like, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? And, um, really the big conclusion that I'm discovering about myself is I, there was a period of time where I quit music and I just was like, I'm done with that world. And it's like, I kind of lost my fire for that because the, well, living in this world, like, you know, like Mm -hmm. there's an intensity 
in this world if you're trying to make something out of nothing you know where like you the 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 picture of you climb that's why i love that idea of you climbing that fence at four in the morning <laughs> to get that it's like this industry demands that kind of tenacity and focus and uh i think i lost that fire inside of me and i realized like probably six seven months into the training i was like i was trying to find that fire again mm -hmm. to be honest like that that uh intensity and and I, I think I have, uh, which has been cool, where like I was finally ready. It's like, no, I'm finally ready to start doing things, finally ready uh, to kind of build build something again in the music world. Um, but now I'm also in the middle of trying to do this Iron Man thing, which which that those two worlds are tough because it's like there's a lot of hours for both. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah. Ultimately, that's kind of the 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 why behind that. So so, yeah. You kind of sound like me where you're, um, you don't have any free time, but you're just always finding other things to fill that time with. And I don't know why, because I could just do my radio job and go home. You know, I'm at a point in my life and that's it, but I'm always finding something new, like, Hey, let's do a blog or how about a podcast or Hey, let's start right. a t-shirt company. And then it's like, why am I doing this to myself? <laughs> but I guess I just, I just always want, I don't know. I just am always looking for maybe a new challenge or I don't know why I do it. I really haven't figured it out yet. <laughs> Well, and that's just hearing your story. Ed, I I think it's inspiring just to hear that that focus and intensity that that you have that you apply to your life that you apply. It sounds like to your own family uh, and to the community that you're in. I think that's amazing. And then, like you said, you know, launching a t-shirt company. How long you've been doing that? We just started it last year, and I'll be honest, it's okay. still just a baby company. Um, you know, we I, I have so many ideas, but mm -hmm. I do get overwhelmed just being a full-time, you know, I have a full-time job and being a full-time mom, and I'll have a million ideas. And then, um, you know, right now we're just still, we have the same original designs that we have that we started. Um, but, you know, uh, one of the issues, too, is that um, we work with the graphic artist. I, we, mm -hmm. we can't do it all ourselves. We have ideas and we have things that they help us bring to life, but I can't just do it myself. So whenever I come up with a new idea, it's not like I can just make it and okay, here it is, buy it. <laughs> right. Well, you got to go uh, through you know, the processes of all of it. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we're still kind of just figuring that out, but I don't know. I'm just always looking for something, something new to try and do. That's awesome. Well, as wrap things up with you, I got two more questions for you and it's based okay. off the podcast. So this idea of live and create. Um, and so right now the, the first to last second to last question. Yeah. That's how you'd say it. Um, right now <laughs> in life, how would you define living a great life? Um, just doing, I would say just giving it your all, as long as you are getting up and making the most out of your life and doing the most, um, doing something that makes you happy, then I think you're living a great life. And for some people that might be, um, you know, just going to a job and going home and then just sitting around and enjoying the sunset. I mean, it's different for different <laughs> people. Um, you know, I just, as long as, as long as you're just doing something that makes you happy and puts a smile on your face. That's cool. And I love that perspective too, of like, like, that person's definition of it. And I think that's why I love hearing different people talk about it where it's like, yeah, give it your all, but what does that mean for you? And mm -hmm. yeah, that's awesome. And so last question right now, how would you define creating great things? Um, I think I'm still figuring that out. Like I said, I started this t-shirt company, but it's still just a baby company. If I knew how to create bigger things and great things, it would be huge. <laughs> you see Jason Sudeikis wearing my t-shirts on Ted Lasso. <laughs> nice. 
um, yeah, I, I honestly am still figuring that out. I, 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 I feel like I'm dipping my toes in the water when it comes to creating. I know how to create things on my radio show, but as right. far as creating something from scratch and, you know, a company or whatever it is, I, I honestly am still trying to figure that out. But as long as I keep trying, that I think I'm still heading down the right path. If I just give up and say, ah, I, that's what I do with a lot of things. If I give up and I go, oh, it's broken. <laughs> I, quit and I just call my husband. I can't, it doesn't work. But um, I mean, when it comes to, you know, creating something that's important to you, you can't just give up. You have to keep working on it and figure it out. And hopefully sometime I'll have the answer for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, like probably the, <laughs> judging from your history, uh, it'll be like in a year, then Jason Sudeikis will be wearing one of your shirts on, <laughs> on something. And then, uh, then we could do a revisit of the podcast and, <laughs> and you could give us the, the brilliant answers, uh, at that point, but no, That'd be and, great. But put I, it out into the universe. Woo. <laughs> there you go. That would be amazing. But yeah, I, and honestly, I think, uh, it makes a lot of sense though. Like, like create, like for me, honestly, I define it as I'm striving for consistency right now, where, like I said, I went through a season where I, I just kind of backed off of everything. And so now for me, my definition is really just like, I just want to get back to consistent creation and, and finding a way mm -hmm. to do it. So, so I love it. But well, let, uh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I, I mean, I know you probably need to wrap up. I was just gonna say creating doesn't always mean, um, having something as a result too. creating could just be like, for me, creating, um, time. I don't take enough time for myself. And if I yeah. can create a quiet space and just, um, a time, you know, of each week, that's just for me, then I feel like that's being successful because I need to create more things for me. <laughs> right. I do a lot of stuff for other people. So, you know, that would be some creating something successful, but to somebody else, that might just look like I'm being lazy. <laughs> She's just sitting around, look at her taking a nap. <laughs> You're like, seriously, look at all the stuff I'm doing. Okay. <laughs> but I have to create something that gives me peace so that I can be my best self for other people. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you again, uh, just for sharing your story and let everyone know like how they can connect with your blog, how they can connect with, uh, your t-shirt, uh, company, and then also find you where they can find you on the web and all that. Okay. Well, you know, I'm on mixi 3.3. If you want to find us on the FM, if anyone even knows what that is these days, mixi 3com Um, TMI with Teresa is my blog. It's my Instagram. And then our, our shirt company is BTKC. It's my husband, Billy, Teresa, Kansas city, BTKC.store. Awesome. Thanks again. Thank you for the opportunity. It was really great to talk to you. No problem. Thank you for listening to the live and create podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure you subscribe and leave a comment or a review. The Live and Create Podcast.